If you would turn your, in your Bibles to uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, it's found on page 987, 987. Matthew 25, we're going to start at verse 1. parable of the ten virgins, or you could say the, the, ten, the ten maidens, bridesmaids. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here is the, here is the bridegroom. Come out and, and, and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our oil lamps are going out. The wise answered, saying, Since there is not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And when they were going to buy, um, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him um, to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other Virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. C.S. Lewis tells a story about how Satan and his demons were one day planning their strategy on how they were going to attack the church and, and hinder the spread of the gospel. As they were proposing different ways... One of the demons said, I've got a plan, Master. When I get on earth, I'll take charge of people's thinking and tell them that there's no heaven. The devil responded, they'll never believe that. The book of truth is full of messages about the hope of heaven, and Jesus himself talked a lot about his father's house in heaven. It just won't work. On the other side of the room, another demon said, I've got a plan. I'll tell them that there's no hell. No good, said the devil. Jesus on earth talked more about hell than he did about heaven. People know in their hearts that their sin will have to be taken care of in some way. Deep down, most people know that they deserve to have their sins punished. It'll never work. And then one brilliant little demon spoke up in the back of the room and says, I know the answer. I'll just tell them they don't have to be in a hurry, that there's always going to be tomorrow. And this is the plan that the devil chose to use in his war against the church. That there's always going to be tomorrow. Why get serious about your faith now? You can work on that later on. You see, when people believe that they have all the time in the world, when they believe that they're going to live a really long time, it's easy to put off decisions in regards to your, your, your faith. We think, I'll get serious about it later. I'm just going to have fun now. I'm going to do things with my friends, even though I know it's wrong, but I'll get serious about my faith later on. Problem is, though, because of that lie the, the devil keeps whispering in your ear, it's always tomorrow, always tomorrow, and they never get to it. And suddenly they're looking back thinking, where in the world did all the time go? Or, to the extreme of our story, suddenly you find that it's too late. See, I think a lot of people, um, 
they have this mentality, I think, um, and I think a good word to describe it is what the Spanish say is manana. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll worry about it. Today is okay. Let's just have fun today. Have you ever shared your faith with a young man or woman and talked about commitment? How do they usually respond? Well, I think a lot of them have the mindset that I just mentioned. Manana. Yeah, I'll worry about that later. I've got too much I want to do, too much fun that I want to be part of. Why hurry? See, I think C.S. Lewis was right in how he uses that as a picture of how Satan works against the church. I think you could also call it the sin of apathy. In the course of living, you forget what you're living for. You forget why you're here, why you're here on earth. It's not just for ourselves. It's not just for your pleasure. Though it's wonderful when the Lord brings that into our lives, but we're here to glorify God. We're here to serve the Lord, and that means each one of us. In the parables of, of Matthew chapter 25, we, we, we find a, a theme going on there, and we're not going to look at, at the rest of them, but... Here Jesus is reminding his disciples of the importance of being prepared. Being prepared for tomorrow. Being prepared for the day that Jesus will one day return. That he's gone, but he's going to come back. And while he's gone, he's left work for us to do. That we need to faithfully engage in. And we see we see this, especially in our, 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 the parable we're going to be focusing on this morning, um, the parable of the ten virgins or the ten maidens or the ten um, bridesmaids. I think a little background, though, um, will help understand the story even a little bit better. Marriage back then, in Jesus' day, um, it was generally for those um, who were in their mid-teens, so Girls and boys, when you're were, when you were 15 or 16, back in Jesus' day, you were married. You didn't have to wait any longer. Normally a bride would invite nine or ten of her closest friends, friends in the village, Lord, to be her, her bridesmaids. The job of the bridesmaid was to help adorn the bride, to help her get ready for her big day, and even handle any issues that came up during the day as, as they prepared um, the bride for uh, the bridegroom to come. Normally the wedding itself occurred at the bride's home, her parents' house, and then usually from there they went to the bridegroom's home. Um, and, and that's where uh, they'd start to party. That's where the wedding feast would be. And, and this wasn't just a, a one-night thing, but something that would often last a, a couple days. In our parable, as the maidens and, and bride waited for the bridegroom, the night, the night becomes late and they fall asleep. Sometimes we, we, we have a, uh, when we look at this story, it's easy to maybe criticize them for falling asleep. That's not what Jesus is doing here. The bridegroom was late. And, and so the bridesmaids, the bride, they fell asleep waiting. And, and there was nothing wrong with that. Where we get into the issue of this parable is that five of the bridesmaids, they weren't prepared. See, after the bride and the groom exchange their, 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 their vows at the um, bride's house, 
Usually there was then a wedding party. Um, call it a parade, whatever you want. Where everyone would go over to the groom's house. And usually everyone carried a torch. I know the wording here in this parable is a little hard to understand. You're thinking of little lanterns, but little lantern would have never worked, especially if it was, if it was windy. Normally people had torches. And usually what they did is they would put strips um, of, of cloth on their uh, um, torch that had been soaked in oil. And, and that's what they would carry. And it was a, a festive time. And usually the bridesmaids, they would do a couple different dances that were part of the Jewish culture um, as they made their way to uh, uh, the bridegroom's, bridegroom's home. But five of the bridesmaids were foolish because they forgot to bring extra oil to pour on those strips of cloth to wrap around their, their torch so that they could do everything that was expected of them. Now, while these bridesmaids, these foolish ones, while, while clearly they were not prepared, our, our parable doesn't tell us that they were bad girls. It's not like they're evil. We don't hear of anything that they did that was necessarily wrong, except they were unprepared. They forgot to bring extra oil. Maybe they thought about it, thought about picking it up. They just got busy doing other things. Maybe they had that same mentality. Manana, I'll do it later. We're having fun right now with the bride. But the problem is they, they never got to it. They never picked up that oil. And so they were unprepared when the bridegroom did come. They wanted the, the five wise um, bridesmaids to give them some of their oil. But these bridesmaids, they, they knew that if they gave the, the foolish ones some of their oil, that the, they themselves wouldn't have enough in that journey to the uh, bridegroom's house. And so they refused and said, you're going to have to go into town and, and maybe wake up some of the vendors and see if you can buy some oil. And so apparently while they were gone looking for that oil, the bridegroom did come. They, they probably heard the noise, the shouting that he was coming, but by the time the foolish ones got back to the house, they were already gone. And when they finally got to the bridegroom's home, the door had been shut and it had been locked, which was a common practice back then. And as the five maidens, they knocked on the door and they called out, wanting to be let in. We're told that the bridegroom did go to the door, but instead of letting them in, he told them that, I don't know you. And so he shut the door and he locked it once again. It says, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 2, 32, does a maiden forget her jewelry, a bride her wedding ornaments? The answer would be, no, of course not. It's her wedding day. And it's the same way with these bridesmaids. They, they knew what their role was what they were supposed to do, and yet they failed to do it. They failed to prepare themselves. And that's why Jesus is using them as an example. They forgot, while the, they forgot why they were there. So what's the point of this parable? Why did, why did Jesus share it? And he actually tells us in verse 13, he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour of my return. This was a warning that he actually gave to his followers repeatedly. That he's going to return. And that they need to be ready. It's 
No good to say, well, I'll worry about my salvation later because you don't know what tomorrow will hold for you. Today, we have to focus on our our faith. Today, we need to prepare ourselves because the Lord could return at any minute, at any hour. Also, listen to Matthew 24, 36. Chapter before this, Jesus says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. So Jesus' point is clear. you got to get ready. you got to be ready for my return. It's like going down a road and suddenly seeing a sign that says the bridge is out in a half mile. A half mile. Why is the sign there? Well, it's to warn you. The bridge is out. Otherwise, you're going to head down that road in your pickup truck, I was going to say like Lauren, but I won't do that. And suddenly you get to the bridge and you try to do a Dukes of Hazard right over it. What's going to happen to the truck or your vehicle? It's going to crash. You're going to mess it up. No, you've got to pay attention to those warning signs. You've got to slow down. Some people might even say, well, I'll just go as fast as I can up to the bridge and then I'll slow down, but... Will you slow down in time? No, we have to be ready now. We need to be prepared. That's why that sign is there. And as Christians, we also need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Jesus warns his followers that his return is imminent. And on the day the wedding feast of the Lamb begins, will Jesus welcome you in or will he say to you, I don't know you, you're not my child? You're not my son. You're not my daughter. How horrible to suddenly come to the realization that you blew it, that your hope is gone, that you've been living for the wrong things. And suddenly, as you face that closed door, you know that all that you're going to miss out on. How horrible to one day stand before Jesus and for him to say, I don't know you. And to face an eternity without him. That's the worst part about hell. Is being totally separated from God. From his love. From his goodness. From his mercy. From his peace. And instead of having hope. There's only eternal death. On that day. On judgment day. Do you think God's going to change his mind? And say suddenly. Well yeah I really didn't mean it. Yeah people aren't really going to go to hell. Everyone gets to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. It's actually very clear. We have an opportunity now while we're here on earth to ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and to not make that decision, to not accept that gift of faith that's being offered. It's one of the most horrible things you can do. Jesus even says, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He's not going to change his mind. Our God hates sin. It's going to be punished for eternity in hell, but you know what? He loves us. And that's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be the Savior of the world. And so we need to get ready, we need to be prepared. It's like the parable Jesus told in Matthew 20. Man goes out at dawn and hires some workers for his vineyard. Later in the day, he hires some more. Later in the afternoon, hour or so before they would normally quit, 
He even hires a couple more. But at the end of the day, after all that toil and sweat of, of the first workers, he pays them all the same wage. And so those first workers, they, they get upset. They say, well, this ain't fair. You're, you're, you're paying somebody who, paid, who worked for an hour the same wage as us who worked here all day. And the master says, but isn't that what we agreed on? Well, yeah, but you're giving them the same amount of money that you're giving us. And so the master says, do you begrudge my generosity? We love parables like this, don't we? Because it means that what we hope for is true, that there's still time. So what if you haven't given much thought to your faith? So what if you're living in sin right now? You think to yourself, but i got lots of time. I'll worry about that tomorrow. You're just going to have fun one more day, one more week, one more month, one more year. Maybe you picture yourself as the 11th hour worker who gets as much grace from God as those who had been at it since infancy. It's easy to convince ourselves that there will always be tomorrow, that we don't have to worry. But what if tomorrow never comes? What if Jesus comes today? I think in that same vein, it's easy to tell yourself, I'll share my, friend, I'll share my faith with my friends and my neighbors tomorrow or next week. But what if you're not there next week? What if today is all you have left? What if today is all that that person that you were called a witness to, all that they have left? I wish all of you could have been here this past week for VBS to hear the children singing, to hear the kids shouting their praise to the Lord, that whenever these statements were made, our God is an awesome God. It was good to hear. Those of you who were part of this, who volunteered, the adults, the, the teens, what a privilege it was that you could be part of the work of Christ and sharing his love with all the kids that came from our church and also from our community. You had the privilege of planting seeds and nurturing them and, and seeing some begin to grow. What an incredible opportunity. We should love times like this when we get to tell others about Jesus. But it would be a mistake to now think, okay, I did it. I did VBS. I'm good for the year. I can't wait till next summer. No, that'd be like living for tomorrow. We've got work to do right now. We've got work to do today. And what is God calling you to do? Who does he want you to love? Who does he want you to reach out to? Who does he want you to tell about Jesus? Jesus even says in John 4.35, Do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. It's that idea of tomorrow. The harvest is later. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And when he says that, he's saying, right now, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are ready. They are ready, already white for the harvest. They're ripe. We just have to go out in Jesus' name and collect them 
and invite them to come to come to Jesus. When Jesus returns, will he find you involved in the work of the kingdom, living your life for his glory? Or will you be like one of the five foolish bridesmaids who were unprepared and they were left at the last minute scrambling? See, when Jesus returns, it's, it's too late. On that day, judgment will come. But there's good news this morning. And you know what the good news is? Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of salvation. It's something to celebrate. That we still have a Savior who welcomes us with open, loving arms. He wants us to come home. Jesus' salvation is ours to claim. And so we need to take advantage of it. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, don't let another day go by without asking him into your heart, into your life. And that's when we really begin to live, when Christ is in our lives. This morning, Jesus is inviting you to come and join him at the table of the Lord. He wants to fill you and be your heart's desire. But then after you've met with Jesus at this table, don't just say, wow, that was great. But he satisfied and he filled you so that you might now now go out and be his hands and feet to be his voice. This is a table of refreshment. It fills us and satisfies us. But it doesn't stop there. It's now that we're, that we're filled and satisfied and we've got the energy to, to go out into the world and joyfully finish the work he has left for us to do. What an amazing privilege.